You are listening to TJ Talks. Be aware this show contains explicit language. All right, welcome to TJ Talks. I am your host, Jed, and with me is your other host. I'm Teresa. Hey. How are you? Pretty good. I can't believe it. We're here on a Tuesday. I know, right? This never happens. Well, happy holidays to everybody, <laughs> right? They're over with. Yeah, it's happy now. The, the waiting over for me. Oh, that's true. You're in the midst of it. And, and these are not Christmas holidays. These are springtime holidays. Springtime holidays, yes. Right. So we had Easter this weekend, and then Passover is continuing through the week. I didn't realize it was eight, seven to eight days. Yeah. I thought it was one dinner. Oh, no. Well, it's one. It's really two dinners. First night dinner, and then the leftovers, second night dinner. Okay. They do. They have two. Usually it's the family dinner and then followed by the community dinner. Did you attend a Seder? I had one here at home. Oh, you did it at home. Nice. Yeah. All right. And let's see. So, but then the rest of the week, you still can't eat any leaven for like the whole week. And has that been hard? No. No. Really? Yeah. It's like going on the Atkins diet for a week. (laughs) You know, no bread. No bread. Okay. But you know- Crackers and stuff, like no Triscuits or anything? No, you got matzah. Right. And then you can have all the potatoes that you want. Okay. So, I mean, it's just meat and potatoes. All right. Essentially. You know, there no, could be worse diets, right? You know, no, no. basically you're cutting all the white bread out of your diet. With all that processed stuff. So you just so, eat more natural foods. Like I eat more uh, tuna and chicken and cottage cheese and stuff like that. Okay. So. But you can't – you're still not mixing certain things with dairy, right? Like, No. That's, yeah. yeah. You have to eat that separate of other things. Yeah. Well, but you're good about that. You do that all the time. Well, no. I have milk with meat, but I don't have pork and I don't have shellfish. Right. And then, of course, during Passover, I won't eat the, the leavened bread. The leavened bread. So I'm, no – Because I'm concerned yeah. I might not go to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm sure eating leavened bread is what's going to keep you out of heaven. Yeah. That's right. exactly uh, it. I'm sure it's all the other things. <laughs> <laughs> Could be any of the other things, um, but I, I know nothing about those other things. Anyway, well, we were going to talk about food today, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, we're talking more about things that aren't food, well, but are in our food. Well, talking about the holidays, what did you get to eat? Because I, you know, I know that there's one particular thing <laughs> that people like to eat for Easter, and I, I, you know, I didn't grow up with Easter baskets. Oh, you didn't? I didn't. That's true. You wouldn't have, right? Yeah. Although I did go to, um, what is that, Memorial Park, Uplands Memorial Park when I was little. And they used to have like Easter egg things where they throw out the whole field would have those little chocolate eggs and everyone would run out there. So I've done that. Okay. Been there, done that. But apparently there's the the peeps is the big deal. Oh, yeah. Now you're talking. Okay. What's the story? Now, did I hear you right? You did not have... Any Easter peeps? was bullshit. I got no peeps for the whole weekend. No one, no, usually somebody brings my kids baskets with peeps in it or whatever. And this year we got candy. We just didn't get peeps. And I didn't buy any peeps in my desperate attempt to not eat all of them because nobody else in the house likes them but me. But I love them. I think they're amazing. I don't, I don't know what they are. <laughs> I don't, I don't think they're really food. In fact, I know they're not really food. I don't even think they're really candy, but they're delicious. They're just sugary coated marshmallowy gooey things that come in all different shapes and sizes and then the colors 
are very pretty and festive, and nobody else likes them, but I do. So now the peeps, now do they should they be uh, bunnies or are they? Uh, this is ducks? an important question. You're right. Peeps should I think peeps should be the little chickadees, right? The little chicks. Is that? But the, I will still eat them in any animal shape that you'd bring them to me. If I there see. was a platypus peep, I would eat it, no problem. And I think now they make peeps for all holidays. They make I, yeah, Santa they, Claus peeps. They make other peeps. But they should really only be eaten at Easter time, so March or April, and really only on Easter weekend. You shouldn't indulge in them before, and maybe you have it for a day or two after as you're still eating the rest of the contents of your basket. But that's it. There's a small window of time to appreciate them. You- so if you appreciate them in that small window of time, then it's appropriate to like them. Okay. Now, here's the other important thing. When you eat a peep, are you violent about it? Do you actually bite the head off? Go, Arr! You know, when I was a kid, I'm sure I did. I eat them in a more refined state now, and I probably eat them in a gluttonous way because I'm probably shoving at least two or three in my mouth at a time. But, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to be more humane about the way I desecrate the peeps. I I, I just like them, and I just didn't get any this year. And I could have gone to the grocery store yesterday and bought the 50% off ones, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be good. That was the other thing. Is it okay to get the 50% off? It, it would. It's okay for some people. It wouldn't be okay for me. I should have had them on the day. But that's okay. you know that's all right. I'm over it. I, I will say though that I am definitely liking the Cadbury eggs. Really? Have you had the chocolate ones? That inside it's chocolate fudge inside. It's is it gooey or is it yes. viscous or it, is it? No, it's like a chocolate fudge. It's like hot fudge but cold. And so I don't know. And I, you bite into it. It's like. Mm. I read a funny tweet about if you have jizz mixed with Splenda and a chocolate eggshell, you've got a Cadbury egg. I thought thought that was the Santorum. (laughs) Yes, I think it could be either one. If you Google either one, you'll get that picture. Uh Oh, yeah. But Easter candy, I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong. And and as far as Easter foods go, hell, we didn't even have a traditional Easter dinner. We just did our – we had a picnic at the park. Of some sandwiches. That wasn't very traditional. And then I think I made pasta for dinner Easter night. So, yeah, we didn't do any traditional Easter food. But it was all right. It was still good. Hey, get together with the family. That's, I think. That's all. You can. Now, so you're still eating non-leaven. And then there's some other things. Like there's some well, odd things, right? Well, Pat, you know, there's the traditional. This is when uh, you really get a chance to have that traditional Jewish-style foods. That all comes out. doesn't happen for Hanukkah, it doesn't happen any other time of the year. It, you get stuff like gefilte fish. Mm. Have, have you had gefilte fish? I've never had it. And never I, had it? It's safe to assume I never will. Really? That's yeah. That's... I, I, a, I don't like fish, right? So oh, you there'd don't be like fish. Well, and anything that sounds like you're hawking up a phlegm ball to say it, it is the name of a food. I don't think I'm going to eat it. it that's it, just me. It doesn't look like a fish. You don't <laughs> like tuna? It kind of looks. I do not like tuna. Oh, Oof. then you probably wouldn't. Okay. It like kind of looks like hash, right? I saw a picture of it. It's kind of brown. You know, it, no, it, it, I don't know what you'd say it looks like. It's just, not like hash drug, like like corned beef hash. No, it's more of a, a light grayish colored. Oh, gray. That yes. makes it sound more appetizing. Yes, yeah. It looks like brains. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. I you will not. Have- you know what? That's what they should do. They should have zombie cavilta fish. <laughs> It's a marketing ploy, I'm yes. sure. It, yes, it would be a great marketing ploy. And then because they serve it generally with horseradish. On and, the root horseradish, right? No, it's, 
you know, you get it at the store. The red, usually the red horseradish. Right. Which has beets in it. Okay. So Ooh. you put that on top. So if they had like a brain mold for gefilte fish, <laughs> then they'd put the red stuff on. It would look like brains. That'd be, be a the good most, Halloween treat. Right. It'd be awesome. All right. That's a marketing genius idea. All right. Set down. We just patented it. Done. (laughs) Okay. So. Anyways, what it it is, it's it's stuffed fish. It's from a a Eastern European meal that's traditional. So a gefilte isn't a type of fish, is it? It's not like a flounder or whatever. It's just the way it's prepared. White fish, pike fish, that sort of thing. All right. Is it coming in a can or how do you get it? A jar. Oh, a jar. Sometimes a can. Okay. So it's. I mean, I, I like it. So I and guess you do like it. I do okay. like it. Yeah. With the horseradish or just straight? With with the horseradish. Got to oh. have the horseradish. All right. I guess it's like sushi and wasabi then, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Except it's pickled in a jar. It, it's not pickled. It's um. It's just cooked. Okay. So. That, so that, it's in gefilte fish water or what? Like a jelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I know it's 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 scary. It's scary talk. I'm only I, I'm close-minded when it comes to food, mm-hmm. so I do not understand or appreciate other types of food. I don't even appreciate most American cuisine. I'm very, very, very limited. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. So, and then of course, then there's things like borscht. <laughs> have you had borscht? I have not. You have not. No. G- generally, when it's served for Passover, it's served cold. It's a soup. It's beet soup, and a lot of times, what's really good is if you put sour cream. In with the borscht. Ugh, have, cold. You had, have you had it? No, I, no. Yeah, no. So that's that's good. It's it's sweet as could be. They put a lot of it's, sugar in there, and it's incredibly sweet. Oh, it's sweet? Yes. Oh, yeah. interesting. So, uh, isn't Woody Allen famous for saying that most Jewish food was created on a dare or something? Who's has got that joke? I believe it. I, I totally <laughs> that nobody would really eat this unless they were dared, and oh. then it just stuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, a lot of um, American traditional dishes for Passover are Eastern European because okay. you don't hear about all the stuff that Mediterranean Jews have eaten. They, you know, most of that people came from from Eastern Europe, Poland, Germany, and then they went to New York and they just brought all their stuff with them. So that's why that's the epicenter of Jewish culture that was brought into the United States. Makes sense. And so yeah, that's why we eat a lot of those traditional meals. Although. If you went to Israel, they'd probably eat completely different foods. Wouldn't be oh, I'm sure, yeah. But, but that gets to the one important thing, which is the matzah. Like, I, I didn't talk about matzah ball soup, which you do have to have, which is really good. I like matzah ball soup. Okay, yes, so. I've been to Cantor's. I, I okay, appreciate good go. matzah ball soup. Yes, <laughs> I'm not totally closed. So I have to tell Mostly. you, I, I have a friend who's in Hawaii, and she is Jewish. Okay. And had some box. I guess she went to the store to go buy matzah. She didn't look at the box. Mm-hmm. So she pulls the box. She gets three boxes, sticks it in her, in her cart, and gets home. And then she looks at the box. And on the box it says, not kosher for Passover. What? <laughs> Who does that? Well, the, the, this is why it's so crazy. And I guess this is kind of the whole deal of our conversation about quality control. Well, they are there's these companies to stay in business, they produce Jewish style or Jewish foods throughout the year. Okay. And so matzah is just like normal bread to a company like Manischewitz for most of the year. 
Right. And then what they have to do is when they're getting ready to, for Passover, they have to change their factory over and they have to remove all of the what they call hummets, which is bread mm-hmm. products from the factory. And they have to have it, I don't want to say blessed, but QA'd to yes. say that there's no, you know, they have a rabbi, rabbinical supervision that comes in. They're QA. They 18 rabbis on their production floor. I just heard this today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's QA. You know, you might think it's all blessing. They're not running around blessing anything. They're, they're running around actually inspecting their quality okay. assurance to make sure so that you, the consumer, can feel secure that the food that you're going to eat meets the most stringent requirements. Right, right. That's, that's their purpose. Um, they might, maybe they do a blessing, but that really isn't what makes it kosher. What makes it kosher is that it, it follows all the guidelines. And the guidelines are hard. Like if, if the water and the dough sit together for more than 18 minutes and don't get moved along the conveyor or the factory, whatever it is, to the yeah. next step, mm-hmm. then they have to stop the whole thing and do it all over. It's within that certain amount of time that it has to be together, mixed, it moves on to the next step for the baking or the whatever. And if that doesn't happen in the exact amount of time, then it's considered not kosher anymore and they have to redo the whole thing. Isn't that something? Yeah, it's crazy. And they just said that they're, of course, they're the largest manufacturer of kosher goods, right? Or kosher food products. Mm -hmm. And that they feel that they're safe from any competitors because the, the amount of strictness, rules, guidelines that they adhere to to keep themselves so ultra clean and ultra pure and ultra kosher would absolutely cost prohibit anybody else from trying to touch their business. That their name is so well known that nobody else is going to come in as an upstart, you know, like Nabisco might have an upstart from rival from Keebler or something, oh, right? right? But nobody's going to come in and try to upset Manischewitz because they've been doing it for so long. They do it so well. They're protected. They feel like they can ha- never be competed with there are some other companies that do do make those kind of products and but not at the same level that's right not on the same level absolutely and i think manischewitz would say and not to the same quality standards that we have that's probably true yeah although i will tell you that there are israeli matzahs that are shipped over from israel oh sure and people do buy those you know it's kind of a delicacy correct and i think and this was particularly about the american manischewitz manufacturing and I think that was sort of what we were going to talk about today, a little bit about American food standards, right? No, I mean, believe it or not, I mean, you can go on the shelf and you pick up a, a can or something and you look, as long as it has a little kosher symbol on there. Right. You, you, know, you kind of feel like there's some quality assurance on the product. Well, don't you feel like the USDA should be a quality assurance label that you get on your product? <laughs> well, you would, you would hope that was the case, but, but we know that's not the case. Well, I, I don't think it's not the case. I still, th- I still think we're going to have this conversation, right? Yeah. And we live in the United States of America, and you and I agree it's the best country ever, blah, blah, blah. And, and that we have some standards, right? Now, whether the standards are the same across the world, but things like refrigeration and, and food handling guidelines, I think we've dialed all that in pretty well, way better than other countries, right? So we have to accept the good and the bad. But the bad that we're accepting right now seems pretty bad. But, well, no. (laughs) No. Okay. I mean, you've got like USDA prime beef, right? All these different Uh qualities select. Right. And then what they've got like the, some is like dog food level, like, you know, stuff that's not for human consumption, but USDA (laughs) stamps off on it. Right, right. Now does that show up accidentally on the shelf? 
that's the real question. How does it get? Well, there's no accident about it. It's showing up on the shelf, it does show but up it's on not. The shelf. It's not necessarily deemed inappropriate by the USDA. We're talking about pink slime, right? I mean, that's essentially what we're talking yeah, about. Well, okay, so here we go. Now, pink slime, is that even USDA stamped and approved? Yes, it's fine. It's been approved for a long time in the use of – it's also known as lean, finely textured beef. That sounds much better to me. If, I think if they called it that, it wouldn't be gone. Well, that's what the meat moguls want you to call it. They don't call it pink slime. The pink slime is a derogatory tor- term that, you know, the food Nazis have come up with to say don't eat it. And the food Nazis are a little bit right, but we've been eating it for a while. And are, is anybody dropping dead? No. So I think we're, is, I think we're okay. It, well, I don't know. Okay. I have to ask the question. Since you've done the research. Yeah. Okay. So is there uh, some s- chemicals in this thing? Yes. Yes, what, yes, yes. What kind All of right, chemicals so, are we talking about? Even though it's been described as disgusting and gross, it isn't necessarily. Um, I'm trying to give you the – okay. Pink slime is a beef-based food additive that may be added to ground beef and beef-based processed meats as an inexpensive filler. Okay? It consists of finely ground beef scraps and connective tissue. Okay. I get what that is. Which have been mechanically removed from the fat. Yeah. And they do that with a giant centrifuge and they spin it out. Okay. The recovered material is processed, heated, and treated with ammonia gas or citric acid. Well, I knew about the ammonia gas. Okay. Right. To kill the E. coli and sal- salmonella and other bacteria. Uh-huh. It's then finely ground, compressed into blocks, and flash frozen for use as an additive to beef products. Mm-hmm. The term pink slime was coined in 2002 by Gerald Zer- Zernstein, who at that time was a microbiologist for the USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the uh, Food Safety and Inspection Service. So... It does have its place, and I think it's only been used in the last 15, 20 years, right? So, Beef that contains up to 15% can still be sold as ground beef without any special labeling. So the uproar has been for these grocery stores that were selling it to declare whether or not they were selling beef with pink slime. Yeah, but- of course, they want it taken out of the schools, etc. We've all already been consuming it. For the most part. Okay. So McDonald's, do they have it in their burgers? McDonald's does not have it in their burgers anymore. They said they were going to stop using it. And like a lot of other retail or fast food places said they weren't going to use it. I have to tell you, that's a tasty burger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is what's sad about this story is that, okay, it's kind of gross. And I think if we all knew how food was produced, we wouldn't want to eat most of it. Right? Like. It, Don't go to the hot dog factory and come out hungry for a hot dog. You're just not going to. Hebrew National, baby. <laughs> Unless it's Hebrew National. Exactly. Yes. So I think there's a lot about the food industry that we don't want to know. I mean, you've seen all these disgusting videos of the chicken farms and not the chicken ranch. That's a whole nother video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the chicken farms and how gross they are. And if you've ever been in and around a poultry farm, uh, my kids went camping near one last year. It was horrific smelling and it was two miles away so nothing about our mass industrialized food production system is pleasing or appetizing at all meanwhile we keep consuming and consuming and consuming well well, you know i've watched some of the pita videos that they have yes it it does make you not want to eat food it doesn't it makes you not want to eat animals if you watch them and then you stop watching it and then you go and have a hamburger. <laughs> I'm telling right. you. <laughs> right. 
Well, I think I think the thing about Pink Slime, two things that I think were interesting. A year ago, what's his name? Uh, Jamie Oliver. He's that British chef with the cute hairdo. Oh, okay. He did some shows over here about how unhealthy our food is and specifically about how the L.A. Unified School District's food was so unhealthy. And he brought to the attention to the media over a year ago this Pink Slime issue, Mm -hmm. and it kind of didn't really fly. And then for whatever reason, it became a popular buzz topic over the last month. And I think I think we've known about it for kind of a while. It's kind of been on everybody's radar. We all know that meatpacking is not pretty. And we just accept it as part of what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Fudge packing is definitely not pretty, but meatpacking is not okay. <laughs> but – in the UK, sorry, let's go back to Jamie Oliver and his cute haircut, not fudge bagging. Um, in the UK, they don't have pink slime in their beef. Canada doesn't have pink slime in their beef. There's other, you know, very civilized countries that don't do this. So, yeah, but do you think if you go to the grocery store, that, like Stater Brothers, for instance? Yeah. And I is it maybe because I haven't been home to California in a long time, but I thought they have the meat case, and, right? And they have, you know, the like things of ground beef there where it's been where they just ground it and then you say i'd like a pound of that and the guy takes his little uh wooden thing and goes right and he puts it on butcher paper and hands you you think there's pink slime in that stuff no i don't think in that stuff there is but i think in the mass produced already in a tube they call them the chub pack right um i think that's where it is but who's buying that i'm buying it huh you buy I buy it? it? Yes. You? I don't always go to the meat counter and have the guy manhandle my meat. Is that- I just want to buy the tube and go. I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> is, is it cheaper? I don't know that it's any cheaper, actually. Um, I think it might be about the same. Huh. Okay. In the interest of preserving American jobs, I should probably work with the butcher. But I just – it's in a thing. It's already two pounds. I don't have to think about it. I no. just grab it, right? Yeah. So – and if it's on sale, generally behind the glass, it's on sale in the bin where I buy it from. So Is, the same thing. Do you get – do you think they put pink slime in other stuff like uh, maybe turkey? Can they put that with ground turkey or – No, I don't no. think – well, no, I don't think it's in ground turkey, but – it's kind of the process that's used to make a lot of lunch meats and specifically hot dogs again, right? There's all these renderings, things that you wouldn't necessarily think are good to eat. And, and we're upset about that. We're, we're upset. Everybody knows. Uh, I mean, come on. Everybody yes. knows what's in yes. that kind of stuff. And then now they're upset about it. Right. You know? Right. And I think that's ridiculous, I, right? We're all up in arms now. I mean, but I mean, you, you've seen that stuff from Oscar Meyer, that pimento loaf and all that oh, stuff? Oh, I mean, Yes. Ugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Here we got we got the pink slime, and then not to belabor the meat industry. Now our our very much misaligned Starbucks. I know, poor Starbucks. <sighs> okay. okay. <laughs> it's not even so, a coffee drink, so I don't know why we're talking about it. <laughs> it's not right. coffee. It's not a coffee drink, so it shouldn't it shouldn't fall under the. The Starbucks banner, but they do use this or had been using. They're not going to use it anymore. And I'm a little bit bummed by that because they kind of kowtowed. But they use this thing called a cochineal or cochineal. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Mm -hmm. And it's a crushed up bug that emits this red goo once you smash it. And so the red goo is what's used as the food coloring for their strawberry frappuccino drink. Okay. Now, here's my big question about that. Mm -hmm. Why not just use real strawberries? 
strawberries are expensive and strawberries take too long to grow and they're too, you know, temperamental and you need the right conditions. And do you know how many freaking Starbucks there are around the world? They would need so many strawberries. There's not enough room on this planet to grow enough strawberries. Really? But you get frozen strawberries and you stick them in. Yeah, well, you have to grow them first before you can freeze them. You wait, can't wait, just... wait. So you're telling me there's no there's no actual strawberry at all? Nothing? Not strawberry extract? Not strawberry strawberry? Nothing? No, I believe there's nothing strawberry in that it's, drink. In a strawberry drink. Really? And interestingly enough, as a side note, I know that the McDonald's strawberry milkshake mm-hmm. has over um, – hold on. I have the, the exact fact. Okay, real strawberries are expensive. So fast food companies like McDonald's choose to use a ridiculous concoction of 50 chemicals to effectively imitate the flavor of one real-world food. These chemicals include ethyl acetate, phenethyl a- alcohol, and solvents. Well, I don't know about kosher McDonald's. Right. <laughs> Right. No, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying McDonald's or strawberry shakes are equate at all to a Starbucks shake. But I guess the problem with the cochineal bug is that a lot of people can be allergic to it. Oh, is that really? You know, and here we come back to our food allergy thing again and that they don't really exist. And the only reason we have so many of them is because we don't really have any problems that are real anymore. So people have to make up stuff now and be allergic to it. That's my opinion. Have you seen what this bug looks like? This beetle? Yeah, I see it. You get it gets scraped off a cactus plant yeah. by, you know, poor farmers in Peru, and those guys were finally making some money off an indigenous insect there. Yeah. Of course, Starbucks is no little shopper when it comes to buying ingredients, right? Oh yeah. And so now we can't have it anymore, and those poor Peruvians are going to be out their cash. You know, it's just the same with the pink slime. We got what a couple thousand guys out of work in the middle. There's a lot of people out of work for that. Yeah, I mean, it's one giant plant. I think that did most of the pink slime making. Yeah. Too bad the pink slime wasn't really just pink in color and could just go into the Starbucks drinks and make it look like strawberry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those two need to get together and make something happen after they've centrifuged the fat from the bones or whatever and make it go into the Starbucks frappuccino. Well, you know, most things at Starbucks are pretty much kosher by nature. You can buy a Starbucks drink and it should be pretty much kosher. But – Interestingly enough, that I'm at a site called kosherstarbucks.com. Okay. And they actually are addressing this uh, cochineal bug mm-hmm. thing. And believe it or not, it says it's not it, a concern. It says, on our website, we have three lists. On the regular list, neither the strawberry frap nor the smoothie were previously recommended because they are uncertified. Okay. On the ingredients list, we are still recommending them because according to this one rabbi, that cochineal is not a kosher concern because it is only a food coloring and not a food on its own. And my thought is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, I think I disagree with you. I think it's, it is just a color. It's just an ingredient. Yeah. But But you wouldn't eat a big spoonful of cochineal, right? You would eat it in like, you wouldn't eat a big spoonful of, Oregano or something. It's an ingredient. It's not its own food stuff. I don't know. That's my opinion. Well, I think, though, it's in there. I mean, how many bugs are allowed to be in a candy bar? Right? Well, there's a lot of bugs and a lot of shit we eat. There's bugs. There's there's so much junk and crap that's not usually edible in the things we eat. I, okay, so one of the other things that I just read today was that 
Okay, this is going to scare you because I know you and I both eat a lot of fast food. The average fast food patron eats 12 pubic hairs in a given year. Oh, so my there's God. pubic hair in your McDonald's oh or your God. Burger King or whatever. So, yes, the food safety thing is – we the fact that people are dying left and right is indicative of the fact that most of our food safety chain is working, right? And eating a few bugs, eating a few pubic hairs, it doesn't kill you. <laughs> it may not be appetizing, but it's not as bad as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. so yeah. And there's actually standards and levels of acceptable amounts of rodent, rodent bacteria, rodent yeah. excrement that are allowed in things. Wow. So, yeah. The FDA law allows for an average of 30 insect fragments per 100 grams of peanut butter. Wow. And in that same half cup of peanut butter, you'll also find at least one rodent hair. I don't understand where they come up with these statistics. I mean, if you think about the way that things are made, I bet I bet you that beer doesn't have that problem. You know, I bet. You, have you ever been at a brewery? I'm sure you've had a brewery tour before. I've never done that. No, is it okay? It is the cleanest place that you've ever seen in your life. Right. At least where I've been, the Budweiser right. Brewery in in Jacksonville, Florida. It doesn't matter how clean the system is; there's still human beings running it. So I think the error factor is always going to be pretty huge because as humans, one irate. Upset Budweiser man can pee in a vat and nobody knows. <laughs> so all that beer is contaminated. So I, I'm not saying that's happening, and Lord knows I don't need to be sued by Budweiser. No, but no, what I'm saying dairy, is, cut, bite your tongue, woman. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that if people are in charge, then pubic hair is going to get in your stuff because people have pubic hair, and that's what happens. But they're standing there at the line, they're reaching down like uh, with the guy from Married with Children. Right. Hey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you just have to hope for the best. So do you guys have in Florida the same thing we have here in California, this restaurant rating thing where no. you go to any restaurant and on the front door or within the front entryway, yeah. they're supposed to put a, a report card up? I wish that they had that because I found, thought that was really cool when I saw that. It's pretty cool, right? And yeah. so I know I take note of that stuff. And if I saw something that had a even a B rating, I'd be like, mm, I don't know. So – I think that those things, all the all the laws and all the health and safety things that are, are enacted, yes, there's going to be problems. And like we said, a few pubic hairs are going to get through the cracks. But for the <laughs> most part, they're working. Oh, my God. All right. I want to know. Mandatory Brazilians for everybody working in a food manufacturing you know plant. What? My dad, um, there used to be an Arby's on – Mountain Avenue. It's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. I know. My dad, for some reason, was looking. He just wanted to ask what it would take to get a job there. And my dad had a big full beard. Right. And they told him he'd have to shave his beard off in order to work there. No face hair at the army. There wasn't even one of those, like, cover things, you know. And I've seen that. In in fact, I kind of – it goes through my mind when I see a guy with a big beard and stuff working in the back. But, you know, it's the same thing with uh, ladies and hair where they just put their hair back, and that's supposed to be okay, too. If yeah. their hair is long, their hair is long. Your hair is long, and you still have it, and it's still pieces of it on your clothing. and Yeah, it's going to get through. So now the real question is, what is on the hair 
that is so disgusting? I mean, is it just air? Is it? Well, it's filled with all the chemicals that our shampoos are filled with, right? That's supposed to clean your hair, right? Yeah, but it doesn't. All it does is create the need for more shampoo. If we all just washed our hair in hot water, we'd be better off, right? But we all have to have this feel-good, smell-good, fresh lather scent thing. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we're putting chemical upon chemical on our hair, and it's not good. And trust me, I told you a couple weeks ago, I'd stick my hair head in a microwave if I thought it would stop me having gray hair. So I'm not above putting chemicals on anything. But it's not good for us. But I'm as addicted to it as anybody else. And I don't mind doing it. Because <laughs> I want it to smell good and tell two friends and so on and so on. Right? We're, you know. Me too. We're victims of our consumer marketing thing more than anything else, right? If we didn't see pictures of people standing in a, in a shower, lathering their hair and being told it tingles and that means it's working, like they used to tell us in the Selsun Blue commercials. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And, and so we have this mental image of what it's like to be showered and lathered. And so oh, when I- real soap doesn't do that, if you use real like Castile soap or stuff that's really mild, it doesn't do that at all. It, you almost wonder like, is it even doing anything? Because it's not making this giant foamy mess. Now, but the oh, foam is all the chemicals. I, I have to tell you, talking about commercials, and then we'll get back into our food thing. I know. The, sorry. The, there, there's this commercial for Liquid Plumber out right now. Okay. You haven't seen it? I, you know what? I don't watch commercials because oh, oh, I TiVo everything. Oh, you TiVo. Anyways, it's a lady. She goes in the supermarket, and she pulls this Liquid Plumber off the, the shelf, and then she has this dream of okay. what it's like. And it's two guys come to the door. Hi. We're here to fix your pipes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's a complete sexual thing. And, and one, you know, does the thing. And the other one, it, it, I guess now Liquid Plumber comes with a little drain pole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little thing with the, the yeah. it's got little teeth on it or right, whatever. So you can pull the hair out of the drain. Yeah. Yeah. So she's having this total fantasy. And then she wakes up from the fantasy and sees the two guys in the fantasy there inside the uh, supermarket. Oh, yeah. Ah, all right. So, anyway. Well, they got to sex that up. I mean, there's nothing pretty about liquid Drano, so they got to make that fun. Oh, ladies are going to the store now to buy liquid plumbing (laughs) drawers. It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) You watch. Okay. I'm I'm sure the ones I get would be, you know, with the ass crack hanging out. (laughs) You get Mario and Luigi. (laughs) (laughs) Luigi. Hey, we're your liquid plumbers. (laughs) Here to fix your drain, lady. Oh, well. So, tell me. Make me hate food. I want to hear some horrible food facts. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, yeah, we already talked about a couple, about the, you know, 50 chemicals and the McDonald's stuff, um, the hair and everything. Uh, okay. Shellac. Yeah. <laughs> Shellac is a type of finishing product that is typically used to improve the shine of wood and furniture. Oh, However, yeah. It can also be used to improve the shine of certain foods, such as jelly beans. And where does shellac come from? It's actually uh, secreted by an insect in Thailand. So a lot of stuff we eat, I think, comes from insects. I think we just need to get okay with that. So now I don't – I think candy is a little different. I don't even know that I consider candy real food, right? Like peeps aren't real food. Well, jelly beans aren't real food. Well, we know, still eat them. Well, you know where gelatin comes from. Used it's to, like nails or something, it, isn't it? it from it, it used to come from crushed bone. Yeah, exactly. And right. They would highly uh, powderize it. In fact, to the point where the government doesn't consider it a food product. 
it you won't see it, it actually is uh, yeah gelatin regulated. is like yeah it's different right yeah. yeah and now it's not even made from bones anymore it's made from something else i'm sure it's some synthetic thing now yeah, right yeah, i'm sure all right um poor mcdonald's they can't get away from these negative things but they seem to be the giant golden arch in the sky for misconduct before reshaping foods like chicken nuggets <clears throat> or hot dogs or bologna or pepperoni they look like a disgusting sludge of pink paste mm-hmm. it's called a process called mechanical separation which is what we were talking about with the pink slime it's a cost-effective way to smooth out bone remnants left after the deboning process the process results in ex- excessive bacteria which then again washed in ammonia, and to cover up the delicious ammonia flavor, the meat is then reflavored artificially and dyed to resemble the meat it once was. So it's definitely never like the, the brownish pinkish hot dog is not a brownish pinkish hot dog when it's being made. It gets remade into brownish pinkish. Did you know that soy like green is people? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. I, I know. That was a spoiler. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, okay, I guess what we have to decide, though, here's what we have to decide. We have to decide if we're okay with calling all of these things that have chemicals in them food. And and it's okay if you don't want to call them that. It's just, I know for me, it's not going to make me not eat ground beef. If it had pink slime versus not having pink slime, I don't know that I would make a distinction. Price is probably what's going to make me make the distinction more than anything, which is really sad. I think I would still eat it. Well, I, I will tell you, I, I'm a label looker. I look at ingredients on food a lot okay. more than probably other people. Like right now, it's Passover. So I can't have any corn products. They're off the list. Oh, gosh. Good luck with that. Well, it's in everything. It's in everything. But, you know, it's not just corn, like kernels of corn, but corn Fruit, high fructose uh, corn syrup type yeah. stuff. Yeah, HFCS, baby, yeah. Which is in Coca-Cola, so I can't have a Coca-Cola. Oh, bummer. Yeah. M&M's have that in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the only sweetener we really use in this country. We don't really use sugar anymore. Why is that? But you can get well, it's cheaper to grow corn to make high fructose corn syrup than it is to import sugar. Are you sure the government isn't giving corn growers a kickback? Of course they are. Yes. And all that jazz. You bet. The ethanol, which is worthless and not going to be used as any sort of alternative fuel for any sort of major or mass consumption. But yeah, there's all the subsidies to grow the corn to make the ethanol that we're not even going to use. It's ridiculous. It's antiquated. It's like every other issue. It's, you know, run by big lobbies and big corporations and Monsanto and the, you know, all that stuff. And and by the way, out there, if you're listening, if you disagree with us on this, let us know. Please do. <laughs> you know? And you're probably right to disagree. I, I'm being too complacent and accepting. But I just feel like, eh, nobody's really died. It's okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So any- I ate a food, whatever. Okay. So you have any more food facts? I'm done with the food facts. It's kind of grossing me out. I All can't right. talk anymore. All right. Well, I, there's one last food fact that we do need to talk about. All right. Dr. Oz. Oh, yes. All right. What is the scoop with this guy? You know, causing hate and discontent in this world. Okay. So long story short, this is a couple months ago, so it's a little dated for the podcast. But either way, he had a show on about things that we commonly feed our families that are problematic. And apple juice was on there as being uh, having in it arsenic. 
Well, arsenic is an actual natural occurring thing. And the kind of arsenic that is in apple juice is found naturally. It's not added to it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's consumed and has been consumed forever through the production of apple or apple juice. And of course, it sent businesses like Treetop and, you know, Knudsen's and all these people who make juice and sell it and market to families. They had to go into this giant PR media cover to, to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not as horrible as he made it out to be. Now, I know you are probably going to indicate that you don't like Dr. Oz. That would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> and I will agree with you on this issue. I think he was he was wrong. He made it out to be something that wasn't really a problem. But what else do you not like about it? Because I think you're wrong. Okay, here's why I don't like Dr. Oz. He brought okay. on a, uh, some, what were they, what you call them? Fortune, there are people who can say that they, are, what's his name? John Edwards. He brought yes, on. Right. And I think that John Edwards is a real scam artist. And he tried to say that this is a, a positive therapy that people should do is go to a person to go in a spiritual, you know, a medium. A medium. Go see yes. a medium and it will, it will make your life better. This is coming from a doctor, a, an MD, a medical doctor. Is yes. telling people that this is okay. When it is okay. When, when I listen, you know, guys like, uh, you know, the, the from the skeptics group, like the right. like Randy. I don't know, you know, Ra- the amazing Randy. Yes. And they totally debunk these guys left and right all the time. I- and so I'm thinking, so this guy brings on essentially what is a charl- what I believe to be a charlatan, and says that. People should go spend their hard-earned money so that they can feel better about themselves because, oh, you know, I just – there's a, somebody with a J or a P or – you're right. right. It, uh, Paul, you're right. Yes, yes, that's it. You got it. You know, yeah. they, they, no, fish, I know. they totally fish for you to tell them right. everything. And they had a dog or they had a cat or, oh, yeah, we had pets. Yes, of course. They that, asked all these questions that, that are very leading and very possible, right? right. And, and they go and they have, this is what the story is, apparently, is they do a show and it takes like four hours to do the show. And then from four hours, they get to snip it down to about 30 minutes. Because right. that's the only usable amount of time in the show. That that's according to uh, okay. Know, so Pennon's Pen- uh, radio show that he had on uh, about two years ago. Right. No, and I I don't disagree with you. And I, I I mean, if you don't like him for that reason, that's fine. But I don't generally think medically he's that far off. I think I think he's actually pretty good. He's brought a lot of attention to people, and and the sad thing is between him. And Dr. Phil and Oprah, who's not a doctor, and all these people, the doctors, that whole show that's on, there's all this medically infused television now that's sort of self-help, right? And is anybody really any freaking healthier in this country? No. In fact, if anything, we're still declining in health. We're still, you know, the number one most morbidly obese country in the Western civilized world. So no one's really taking any of this advice to heart. So I still feel he should fight the fight and try to talk to people about how, yes, eating right is probably good for you. Maybe taking a few supplements couldn't hurt. How about getting out and exercising a little bit? I think the message is important. And, and he may not be the best messenger, but I actually like him. I, I think he's all right. I think he, 
I think he tries to help. And I think he might be a spiritual person in a different way than you're spiritual and might believe in that sort of stuff a little differently. Well, you know, not to discount. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I agree with what you're saying, but you're wrong. A world of spirituality. But I still think that the fact that people can talk to the dead is kind of bullshit. (laughs) That's fine. So he had one show. the Pope, television. The, the Pope should have the straight line to Jesus, and he hasn't come out and said, hey, everybody, I just got off the phone with the man, and here's <laughs> the story the way it is now. Right. No, the then, Pope's not going to do that. And I haven't heard John Edwards go, I just talked to Jesus because I had, you know, I got but the— But I don't think I John the, Edwards wants to talk to Jesus. I think he wants to talk to your Uncle Sam. I think he wants to talk to, you know, your Aunt Beatrice. I think he wants to, to make you think you're connected to the afterworld. Yeah, so but if you're connected, why wouldn't that? you try to get connected to, like, the big people that know shit? You know, go, go talk to a, 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 a past president, talk to a world leader, you know. Why wouldn't you, like, somehow figure out a way to, you know, I'm going to make the world better. Supposedly, I'm, you know, I'm John Edwards. I'm going to make gonna the world I'm going to talk to Abraham Lincoln. Uh, you know, I, wanna, I need some insight, you know. <laughs> Where, where's the deal? You know, why wouldn't he help transcribe and finish some books that some author didn't get to finish? I mean, come on. I mean, think of all the great things that you could do. If you could talk to dead people, all the amazing things that you could do. It's true, actually. That's not a bad idea. He should, you know, say that he's contacted, contacted the ghost of Hemingway yeah. and written the last great Hemingway novel. It would sell like hotcakes. You know, people would buy it. Come on. I mean, they could find out where the buried treasure's at, all the bodies right. are. You could find out, you know. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? <laughs> where Jimmy Hoffa is? Jim, where Come on. Jimmy Hoffa is? <laughs> I mean, the 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 possibilities are endless, but nobody's doing it. What's her name? There's that other lady, the Sylvia Brown. I mean, Sylvia Brown. You know, yes, yes, yes. And I'm not saying that people don't have very intense spiritual moments, but I just am having a really hard. But you time. don't like that part of it. I I am not a, a believer that that is something that people are doing and there's no way that they can prove that they actually have made that contact to me you're right so, you're right no he, you're right there's no actual proof you know and, and according to mr um what's his name the uh, james randy you know uh-huh. if they do it under scientific conditions in the laboratory <laughs> then and if then we'll believe it you right. Know, that all they're asking is come on to to do it, and then right. you know do the the James Randi Foundation million dollar challenge, and then we'll all believe. <laughs> you know, I think that's really what it comes down to. And if you <laughs> if you can't do that, then maybe there's you know there's some questionability. True. Maybe they should have the meat packing plants under the James Randi Laboratory and see how much is really legitimate in those things too. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm starving now. How about you? you? Oh, yeah. It's about dinner time. I'm going to go get (laughs) myself some mechanically separated chicken. (laughs) (laughs) With extra centrifuge baked right in. Yes. know it. (laughs) Oh, dear. So we're all going to hell now. (laughs) Uh, That's all right. At least we'll go satiated. (laughs) That's a fact. Wow. Well, we really covered a lot of stuff here, huh? We did. It was a good, good show today. We got peeps. Crazy Passover food and pink slime. Mm, yummy. Starbucks beetles. Crazy food facts. And, uh, Dr. Oz bashing. Yeah, Dr. Oz bashing. You know, 
you don't think he's dreamy, right? Uh, like I do. No, I think he's kind of dreamy. I just think you should stick with the medical side. Okay. <laughs> Point well taken. I agree. I, I like that part about it. I, I can't dispute that part. So, yeah. off now. I think it got counted. Yeah. They do crazy stuff all the time. They had, what's her name on there? Jillian Michaels, who wasn't even a doctor. So, she didn't last very long. She's off the show. But, yeah. As long as the movie's on. Sorry. I have watched it. I can't watch it. Alrighty. I guess we'll close the show out. Go to the meat counter and have the guy manhandle my meat.